today is a beautiful day. It is. For many reasons, and I'm not even talking about the weather. No. Nope. Because today is the day that no, the weather Red Sox, sucks outside. No, no, it stinks. But yeah. today is the day after the Red Sox designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment. So I knew that I needed to get my ass up here and be ready to talk about it because God was I happy when I got that news yesterday. <laughs> We're free. We're yeah. free. Pablo is officially gone. Skadoosh. 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 <laughs> no longer a member of the Boston Red Sox. See ya. It's a beautiful day. They have 10 days from yesterday now that he's been designated from, uh, for assignment to determine if they're going to trade or release him or place him on waivers. Uh, waivers can only happen in the first seven days, so they got to make a decision on that fast. But is everyone else as happy as I am? Yeah, I got to say hallelujah. It's about time. It's, it took too long, I think. Um, they, they finally actually have a, a, a plan in mind um, as Devers got called up to the tri- you know, AAA as well. But I think they can do with what they have right now, but they definitely got to you know, find a guy that can most certainly fulfill that position at the, the hot corner. See, I don't know if they necessarily need to find a everyday third baseman. I agree. I kind of like the platoon right now of of uh, Sue Lin and Devin Marrero. It's it's working for them. They're they're much better off with those two in the lineup than they are Pablo in the lineup, who's cost them games. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that Pablo is gone, but there's a lot to look back on, and there's a lot of reason to be upset with the whole Pablo saga. Really, from yeah. from the from the day he was signed to come here for a five-year, $95 million contract to a guy who had already pretty much accomplished everything he could possibly accomplish in the league. Uh, San Francisco, at the time, wanted to put a weight clause in his contract, which is why Pablo didn't want to sign with San Francisco. Imagine that. Imagine that. The only reason Pablo wouldn't sign in San Fran was because they wanted to include a weight clause. Well, That's, he loved his fast food. He, he might as well KB. have just said, no, I would rather stuff my face yeah. with burgers and pizza. Right. D- didn't it get to a point where they were like controlling whether or not he could get room service at hotels? Yes. Yeah, he basically yes, lived that ha- in and out, too. They had to basically put a security guard on Pablo to make sure he wasn't overeating on road trips. Uh, There were so many red flags with this guy. I understand great postseason performer and whatnot in the past, but it kind of speaks to this whole philosophy of the Red Sox and them not really knowing where they're going. Do you want great playoff performers on your roster, or does that not matter to you? Because you go and you sign a guy in Pablo Sandoval who has a ton of question marks around him coming in here, five years, $95 all for what? His playoff performance. But then on the flip side of that, you look at the David Price deal. They give him $30 million a year for eight years, and he hasn't won a postseason game. I don't, un- I, I don't understand necessarily the Red Sox philosophy. It's almost like they're caught in between two different, uh, two different philosophies of what they want to be as a team. You know, do they want to grow from the farm up? Do they want to go out and get the big-name free agents? Are they a team that's solely interested in marketability of players? Because Panda obviously came here with a lot of marketability, all because of his stupid nickname. Right. I, I think part of it was absolutely the market, marketability because if you remember when you go, to, go back to that press conference, they were talking about, oh, we're going to sell you know panda hats and panda merchandise and all that they stuff. They couldn't wait. I, I still can't, you know, to this day, think of anyone who actually bought any of that crap. I don't know if they were selling it or what, but he was so he bad from off. the very get-go that no one ever bought any of it. Right. But part of it is the marketability, and part of it is just by nature, Red Sox ownership is very reactionary. 
Will Middlebrooks had back-to-back disappointing seasons after a relatively good rookie year before uh, I think he broke his hand or something. He It was cut short. Yeah. And they went out there and they were like, okay, we need to address the void at third base now that we got rid of Will Middlebrooks. Let's go out and sign a third baseman. So there was clearly a need, but they just went out and got the wrong guy. Because from the very get-go, when they signed Pablo Sandoval to the five-year, $95 million deal, I'm pretty sure all four of us here were looking at that and we were like, really? Well, it seemed well, yeah, forced Really? Yeah, to begin that, that's a pretty steep contract for a guy whose numbers have been declining for the past few years. Right? And it, wasn't that in uh, 2014 offseason or was it 2013? It was 14 heading into 15. Right, right. And, and that's because they had an awful year after winning um, their World Series in 2013, so... They had to have a bounce back year because in 2014 they really, you know, just went into the dumpster and really just just rotted away. Yeah. And I think ownership realized like we have to get this team back on the map. And how do we do it? Is we go out and get a guy like Harry Ramirez who was you know part of our farm system for a while. We traded him away early in his career. We wanted to bring him back to the Boston. Uh, Red Sox, people would know him. And also uh, Pablo Sandoval, people know him because of his playoff experience. But at the same time, that's a National League too, guys. And, and I, I, I do take that into account because, you know, anytime you switch over to another league, there's a lot of adjustments. And also with uh, the San Francisco Giants, um, Pablo knew his role. And it, it feel like, you know, when you sign a guy for $95 million, a lot of pressure is on that player to perform. And I blame the Red Sox, but I also blame Pablo Sandoval. And the reason why I blame the Red Sox is because they didn't know his um, level of salary. And when, when you kind of price out a guy, you don't just go based on, like, marketability and, you know, butts in the seats. You got to go off based off of, you know, who this guy is as a hitter, who this guy is as a fielder. And he's always been mediocre at best and, and for my circumstance i was kind of questioning the move in, in, from the beginning I, I think we all were yeah i don't think that any of us were really over the moon about that and it was two major signings that offseason you remember it was really pablo coupled with hanley ramirez coming yeah. to boston and i look at both of those signings and i say you disregarded personality the character of the player just for what? The big name? Big name. You know, and Hanley's obviously uh, one of the more talented hitters in all of baseball, but when you take into account his character, his personality, his work ethic, uh, there's a ton of question marks there. And I feel like they sort of handcuffed themselves with those two guys, big right. contracts, and you're not getting the most out of either of them. I mean, Hanley, when you look at him and his performance, sure, last year, obviously an outlier because he played first base, good first base, and he hit for power, he hit for average, he drove in over 100 runs. But, I mean, look at him this year. You know, you have to pull teeth just to get the guy to play. Although it. he's been hot lately, but, yeah, overall it's been a disappointment. And, right, it, it, and it's been in response to what? Criticism. The criticism that he can't hit lefties. Now, all of a sudden, coincidentally, he's, he's hitting lefties. <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those things where you get called on something like a little kid. It's like, hey, you're not doing this. That's what I you're mean. supposed it's... to be doing it. All of a sudden, he starts doing it. So it's like, wait, so could you hit lefties all along? Sure. You Were can... you just not putting your best foot like forward? You can kind of live with the antics of Hanley Ramirez if he's going to hit for you. But when he's not hitting, that contract is not worth it, and he's not out in the field. He's a DH now. He's only going to be hitting. So you need that bat to be active. And it's like I said, it's just pulling teeth with him. So, it's yeah, kinda... you, you take it when it's happening, when he's on fire, but 
it takes too much to get him to that level. It's exactly, and we'll get back to Panda, but it's exactly like Manny with Hanley Ramirez, where I remember, you know, Manny was a left fielder, but anytime David Ortiz wasn't in the lineup for whatever reason, if he had a day off, if yeah. he was hurt or whatever, guess what? Take and he was no, he wouldn't take the day off. He DH. DH. And it well, was almost like he, yeah. So yeah. it was almost like he had a clause in his contract where it's like, hey, if David's not in the lineup, I'm at DH. It's kind of the same exact mentality with Hanley, except he's not nearly the type of hitter that Manny was. No, and it's a step down because because Manny played left field, and when right. he needed he days, play well. and when he needed days, he'd play DH. Right now, Hanley's playing DH, and when he needs days, he doesn't play at all. So right. it, so it's a step down from what Manny used to do for this team. You know, and and Manny for what it's worth was always consistent at the plate. Oh, he was the greatest right-handed so, hitter I've ever so seen. So I I can't compare the two because Hanley has these stretches where it's, he's out to lunch. He's not engaged, he's not focused. And it's frustrating because you know the talent he has. You look at him, he's built like a brick house. He's got power and he can hit to all uh, to all parts of the field. So Dude. when a guy like that, I, I I mean, you just want him to perform consistently because you know his ceiling, and it's frustrating to watch when he's going through these cold streaks that he's gone through, and it's it's even more maddening to know that all you really got to do is be like, hey, Hanley, uh, you're not hitting that well. He's like, oh, really? Well, I best I, I guess I better go hit well. Then. It's like it's and like he a goes teacher. Out and he hits. It's like a teacher having like a one on one with a student and being like, hey, listen, you really got to do this. Yeah, better. who's right. like a genius? Yeah. Though. yeah. Right, so it's it's like a genius uh, mathematician underperforming in his class, Guys. and then all of a sudden and, he's and getting the teachers, A's. And the teacher's like, "You're smarter than this." He's like, "You're right, I am." And he <laughs> just gets A's through the rest of the school year. Yeah, I just want to talk about reactionary. The term reactionary with the Red Sox front office, it, and the reason why is because they always look at the the years past from their players. So like Hanley Ramirez, he he played for what the Dodgers before he came over to the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And he had a great year. And then Pablo, you know, throughout his tenure with the uh, San Francisco Giants, was a great hitter and a fielder as well. So they go based off of the past instead of looking towards the future. And that's the problem is because you can't base off of that because you don't know how good they can be in Fenway Park. Now, it's hard to determine the future, but it's also easy to acknowledge, you know, the tendencies of, of a bad character in Hanley Ramirez at sometimes he's been a, a, a weird teammate. You know, sometimes he's taking stuff seriously and sometimes he takes it, you know, on his own and that's goofing off and not taking it the right way. And then with Pablo, his weight. So you got to take those into account. And I don't think the Red Sox front office does. And I don't think they care to even put that in account because they were going to get people to come to baseball games after a tough season. Well, so they thought. So they thought. So they thought. Yeah. And I, I mean, Pablo really didn't do anything for them in terms of marketability, being the face of the franchise, uh, selling merchandise, putting butts in the seats. Like, Pablo did none of that. No, you know? Heinz, uh, I'm just saying, like, that was the plan that, that was they the had. idea. Yes. But that that's what I mean. Backfired. So, so, A, you didn't make the move as a baseball move to improve the team. And, B, the reason you did bring him in here, that also failed. It failed on every single possible level. And, and in the next segment, I want to get more into what it costs the Red Sox to actually bring Pablo in here. Again, they are eating 
like $48 million worth of this contract. I know you have mm-hmm. the exact number, Ashish. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I, oh God, I lost it. I, it's I it's somewhere between 48 and 49. Said, I think it was 48.6, 48. right? 48.6 was what I was going to say. I think yeah. you right. said before the show yeah. started. 48.6 million of that $95 million contract. That's more than half of that contract That's that asinine. they have to eat. Right. It's crazy. And, and it's in insane. His, in his Red Sox career, 161 games. I was telling 161. you, Dave. 161. One game fewer than a complete season over in, three in years. In three years. Unbelievable. So, I mean, they got nothing out of this guy, and they spent a hell of a lot of money on him. And and it, we've always had questions about this front office and sort of where they're going, why they're doing what they're doing. They, we question the moves they make. Is it to make the team better, or right. is it just to sort of – you know, do the whole Red Sox show yep. and, and create better ratings on Nesson and, and, you know, put more butts in the seats? Is it about having a good product on the field or is it about personalities and selling panda hats? What is it? It, it seems like a mix, to be honest with you, because they got good baseball guys, but then they come out with, you know, these couple of guys like Carl Crawford. Right. I, I thought that was a wasted contract. That, you know, they had A.J. Perzinski. You know, I feel I'm still like trying just, to figure out what that one was about. They, that, that's what I meant just at the beginning yeah. of the segment by they seem stuck in the middle of a couple different philosophies in that front office where uh, they're left sort of without an identity, and it's like the players they try to bring in to create that identity, it's not to create an identity for the team. It's no, to create an for identity themselves. for the fans. Yeah. Right. Which is ass backwards. You let the players speak for themselves. Right. And well, the performance I mean, on the field should speak for itself. That's how you draw fans in. I mean, just speaking to what's more important, personality or the actual product on the field, obviously the product on the field. But at the same time, if you want to instill interest in the market, you can't put out a really good team that has Nobody. literally no personality. Yeah, sure. Like, look at the Cubs last year. They became, if your team lost, they became America's team for the most part, unless you were a Cleveland Indians fan. I think for the most part, if you were a fan of baseball, you were rooting for the Cubs, not just for the history, but because that was a likable team with all the characters that they had from Rizzo to Arietta to Chris Bryant to all those guys that became a likable team and that's the combination you need is really good transcendent players that have personalities that you can get behind well she's to that point I think they didn't need a guy like Hanley or Pablo because they had guys like Dustin Bedroya David Ortiz guys that already have personalities really so they didn't really need to bring them in I thought it was a waste of contract with Pablo Hanley's, you know, he is, it's iffy. Like, the contract iffy. It's tough to see where that can go. Right, and just just to note a final point before we go to break. Again, if the idea is to create a team that has scintillating play on the field and intriguing personalities off the field with Pablo, they failed on both levels there. They did not create scintillating play on the field with Pablo, and they did not have a marketable player in Pablo off the field. Zero leverage. And you know the irony of that is they tried to do that via free agency, but they ended up getting both those things, marketability and good play, from the guys that they had in their own system. Yep. Betts, Bradley, Bogarts, Benintendi. Give those guys a couple of years. Those guys are going to be the marketable stars. They already are. Those guys but deserve. Those, they're going to be a lot more marketable in a couple of years. So those are the guys that you had in your own system that you just had to wait to come through the pipeline. And those guys deserve the $49 million that you're guaranteeing Pablo Sandoval now. Just put that into um, you know, the equation. 603-883-9900. When we come back, we will continue our reaction to Pablo Sandoval, Sandoval being designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox. It's the Sports Blast on ESPN New Hampshire. Pablo just wasn't playing as well as we had hoped. And it just wasn't here when he went to AAA. Uh, he didn't 
not only from an offensive perspective, there were some defensive struggles, and we just really came down to us feeling that we were not a better club if he was on our club at the major league level. Uh, consider all that remains uh, with the terms of his deal, but uh, I think what it boils down to is pretty simple. Uh, trying to put the best team on the field every night uh, to put us in a position to extend our season from where we stand today to into October. Um, and we've acknowledged the performance of, of Lynn and Marrero to date. Uh, the, you can't deny their contributions, the way they've helped uh, impact the bottom third of the order. They've done a tremendous job defensively. Um, bottom line is, Panda's situation just didn't work. Six zero three eight eight three nine nine zero zero. Back here on the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. That was Dave Dombrowski and John Farrell in their respective press conferences yesterday before the game, talking about Pablo Sandoval getting designated for assignment. Is it just me or does John Farrell just? I mean, he hated Pablo Sandoval, but he has a very unique way of talking, where he just kind of seems like he's continuing to protect the player. You know? Yeah, he's he, very he, subtle. With he, it. he uses yeah. like a hundred words when twenty will do. Yeah, he's like, well, you can't. Ignore the play of Sue Wei Lin and Devin Murray. Just say Pablo sucked, man. Yeah. Like, come on. Why do you got to? It's almost like he's taking a detour and avoiding how bad Pablo was. I, I Dombrowski went right at it. He yeah. was just like, no, he, he was underperforming by a lot. But at the same time with Dombrowski, like, Pablo has stunk offensively, defensively since he's really been here. So just because he's been stinking it up with the Pawtucket Red Sox, now you have to open up and say that you know he hasn't been performing offensively and you know defensively and you know looking at the future now, it looks like he doesn't fit into our plans. Basically, that's what he said. Now, why did it take you so long to recognize that when the guy was you know overweight and you know he wasn't hitting? Uh, quality, he wasn't having quality at bats. He was always swinging because, at pitches in the dirt because of the money. They, they, I mean, now, finally, they're like, okay, screw it. We owe him $49 million here. We're just going to let him go. But before that, when it was 65 or whatever it was. Oh, so they had, had to, to wait until they had to kind of, decreasing. Like, they're thinking, Red Sox ownership is thinking like, hey, we owe him $60-plus million. Let's just wait and see, and maybe we catch lightning in a bottle here. And then when it didn't happen, they said, you know what? Screw it. What's it, $49 million or something? Yeah. No. Let's just let's do it. Let's just get rid of him here. And, and Pablo messed up a lot of plans for the Red Sox, let me tell you. Um, you know, when they were shuffling Travis Shaw and Pablo and then, you know, even Mancada. Like Mancada could have came up earlier if it wasn't for, you know, Pablo's um status. Oh, that at worked their out base. so well, Mark. Well, I'm just saying, like, you, you could have utilized these guys in different ways. I mean, it happened when it happened and it shouldn't have. I, I, I feel like it, it should they should have expedited the process and recognized you know, Pablo isn't the guy. Pablo's not the guy you're going to build around at the hot corner. You're going to have to find another replacement. And we saw it coming, guys. They talked about the weight in San Francisco. They talked about how he's not as great of a hitter as he used to be. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. You know, a guy turns 30 years old, you know, sometimes that's the decline of their career. I, I You know, it might have been weight-related. It might have been age-related. I just go back to what Dave said in the opening segment. This guy already accomplished pretty much everything you'd want to as a major leaguer. He achieved the fame in San Francisco. He got his three rings, all right? He got his <gasps> money. So once you get the money and the rings and the fame, the hell else do you have to play for? Right. For, for money and to do whatever you want. It, it, it was all about the money for Pablo. Let's put it that way. 
Because what other motivation was there for him? Clearly, like, there was none. Yeah, from going from three rings to four, does that really make much of a difference for certain guys? Some guys it does. Some guys it does. Like for, for a guy like Tom Brady, going from four rings to five, that was huge. Yeah. For other guys, going from three to four, that might not be that big a deal. Right. I, and I, I honestly believe that Pablo came in to Boston, checked out of his mm-hmm. baseball career. Yeah, he, he was done. He didn't care. Yeah. He, he thought to himself, five years, $95 million? Sure, I'll pocket that cash. That's I guaranteed. mean, look at the results in his Red Sox career. As we said, 161 games. He batted 237, 14 home runs, 59 RBI, and 101 strikeouts. A whole lot of nothing. Here's the most amazing part of it for me with regards to the Red Sox and bringing Pablo Sandoval in here in order to, in quotation marks, Help the team, improve the team, get better on the field, provide some offense, maybe? Yeah, right. How about this? Okay. Pablo came in here in 2015. The Red Sox, since 2015, if you include this season, they have an overall record of 222 and 192. Okay? That makes them 30 games above 500 since the Pablo Sandoval signing. Pretty weak. With Pablo in the lineup. And we know he's played 161 games for the Red Sox. In how many years? In three years. <laughs> they are 70 and 91 with Pablo Sandoval in those 161 games. 21 games below 500. Okay? Which means without Pablo Sandoval in that span of time, again, 222 and 192, 30 games above 500 overall with Pablo, 70 and 91 without Pablo, 152 and 101. 51 games above 500 without Pablo, 20 games or 21 games below 500 with Pablo Sandoval. That says it all right there. That is a 71 game swing yep. with or without Pablo. He's cost them more games then he's helped them win. And you're paying him a lot of money to do that. And you're paying him $95 million over the course of those five years. I mean, one simple way, and I know you're not a big war guy, wins above replacement. I don't know how much I embrace that stat I either. still don't necessarily know what goes into that war equation. I, I, I don't know the <laughs> formula, but if you look at 2015, he was negative .9. Negative .2 the following year, which he only played in three games, broke his belt in Toronto, and then he missed the rest of the year. Right. And then this year, again, negative .9. He's had a negative war Every year of his Red Sox career. Right. Let, let me ask you guys this. Was there ever a successful turnaround with Pablo Sandoval? Like, was there ever, like, a moment that you remember that was, you know, him hitting the ball or, like, making a great defensive play? Nope. Or, you know, talking to his teammates? Nope. No, it was always something stupid and silly. It was Diva Legacy. It was breaking his belt in Toronto. It was... You know, Coming like, into camp, overweight, yep. the, the whole body index thing that they tried to shove down our throats. The only positive thing that I can take away from Pablo is that, and this is something that I'm not going to take away from him, is he tried legitimately this offseason to lose weight, and he succeeded. And that's it. It, just, it didn't translate into baseball. He tried to up. lose a little bit of weight. He came in with the 17% body fat index, and Dave Dombrowski was like, oh, that was last oh, year. he came in at 17%. No, it was <laughs> this year, spring training, wasn't yeah. it? He had like something like a twenty yeah, percent. He was body kickboxing they were like, in the offseason. They gave us seventeen percent as like the barometer. I, I, for, I, you I, can be a pro athlete if you have a seventeen percent body fat index, yeah. which I, came out of I'll, nowhere. I'll have by to the double way. check, but for some reason, I thought the seventeen percent body fat thing was the middle year of the three when no, he came I, in. I think that's just where they wanted him. 
You know, so he came That's in with they, said. they came in with a uh, with a higher yeah. body fat 27. index, and they said we want him around seventeen percent, just yeah. like a, a completely objective number yeah. that they flung against the wall and were like seventeen percent, and you sticks. can be a pro athlete. It, it, it was last yeah. year. It was last. It year. was last year. Yeah, February twenty fifth, twenty sixteen is the article that I'm seeing where they said he was seventeen percent body fat. So, so they was, wanted him lower. So they wanted him lower. Well, no, it wasn't so much that they wanted him lower. It was that the whole thing was BS from the get go. Yeah, well, we yeah. knew he wasn't seventeen percent body like fat. 30. They were just saying that oh my because God, every, yeah. because everyone reacted to the photo on the Globe right. of him throwing and his belly just spilling out over his shorts. What does it matter anyway? Seventeen percent. I, I don't care if you're thirty percent if you can hit the ball. That's, he couldn't yeah, hit. That's something that we've well, alluded to in the past. Prince Fielder. How many times have we talked about Prince Fielder's a great example? But how many times, I mean, we've made fun of his weight, sure. We talked about him on the body issue. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the results were there, whether he was in Milwaukee, Texas, Detroit, whatever. When we looked at Pablo Sandoval as a member of the San Francisco Giants, although we weren't talking about him all that often because we were here in Boston and he was in San Francisco, I never heard anyone talk about his weight in I San haven't Francisco either. Because the results were there. He was a clutch performer. He was embraced by the fans. They called him Kung Fu Panda. It doesn't matter how much you weigh as long as the results are there. I mean, when I was a kid in the 90s, Rich Gar says, I loved that guy. Move on. He was so fat. Move on was fat too. But, but to those guys point, produced. But to that point, exactly, Ashish. And, and when you fall off the cliff, the, the Boston media, the Boston fans really rail into you. Like you, you have no. They're nonstop. They're unfiltered. They'll make you pay if you don't show yeah, up. It's not like San Francisco where people are walking down the street barefoot all the time. Like it's exactly. It's not. It's not a sports market that's made for players that aren't going to come in here and at least give one hundred percent effort. Even if you suck, if you give a hundred percent effort. People here pick up on that. They mm-hmm. understand if you're if if you're just at your ceiling, but you're giving a hundred percent. People here in in this town respect that from their athletes. The problem with Pablo is he just didn't ever seem to care. Yeah. And on top of it, the numbers weren't there. Right. You have to have one or the other. Right. And you have to at least care or produce. And all the elements and experiences considered with Pablo Sandoval. This has to be one of the worst contracts in MLB history. Absolutely. And there was actually a great article on SB Nation about how this is the uh, second most amount of money that a team has had to eat for any player being DFA'd. What's the other one, A-Rod? I I don't have it up in front of me at the moment, but I'll bring it up next segment. But I know for a fact that uh, the the $48.6 million that the Red Sox are eating is the second highest amount of eaten money for a DFA'd player in baseball history. Yeah. That's horrendous. You have made a historically bad signing here. And my reaction to the, the Pablo Sandoval like DFA'd, I, I felt like it was bound to happen, but it's definitely one of the worst because the reason why is the Red Sox didn't try to trade him I and mean, they can still do it. Oh no they did. But yeah, uh, but they came out this week and, and Dombrowski mentioned we did try to trade Pablo and there were no takers. Well, they couldn't trade him. In, in my eyes, they, they couldn't. They couldn't because nobody wanted him. Right. Whereas Carl Crawford, I felt like that signing was awful. But but, but they still had value enough to get rid of him and get something in return. And they, they still they traded him. They still trade him. So, I mean, uh, this this is the difference. You brought in a guy that was so invaluable that you didn't even get anything for him no on his way partner. out the door. Yep. You didn't have anyone who was willing to take on the life of that contract or even take on a smaller amount of that contract if you were to eat more of that money just to get maybe a draft pick in return. You couldn't get anything for this guy. Nothing. And I quickly want to get into the money because we've got about two, three minutes left in this segment. But we broke it down for Pablo, the $95 million that the Red Sox paid for this guy, okay? 
He played 161 games as a Boston Red Sox player. That means that Pablo Sandoval cost the Red Sox $590,000 per game. That's incredible. You want to break it down a little further? Please do. 653 plate appearances for Pablo Sandoval. They paid $145,500 per plate appearance. He had 170 hits in the 161 games that he played as a Boston Red Sox player. That's terrible. They paid Pablo $559,000 per hit. Half a million dollars. Half a million per hit. That's crazy. For Pablo Sandoval. And again, just to put the cherry on top, they were 20 games, 21 games under 500 with Pablo and 50 games over 500 without Pablo. You guarantee money. You spoil players with money. They're going to sit back and rake it in. They don't care. They're going to make it anyway. They're going to make their money. Like you said, Pablo had it made coming into Fenway Park. Look look what he did. He sat, sat back and kicked it. 603-883-9900. Quick break here on the Sports Blast ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire. Manchester's local ESPN. App. 